Welcome to today's message from Reach Community Church. We hope this message encourages and blesses you as we dive into God's Word. And now, for today's message. I do love coming here. Um, i got a personal investment in a lot of people here. Of course, I love Heath and his family. And the elders are kicking. I mean, some of these... Some of these elders are older than I am, but they're young at heart. No, I mean, it's just a, you have young elders um, who are not afraid to change and go into the future. You know how sometimes the older you get, the more you want to hold on to what's familiar, even though you know the future is better than where you've been? Well, we got really good elders here. So uh, anyway, either that or what I just said is a, I spoke by faith, and now they have to live up to it. <laughs> um, I'm going to pray. I'm just going to pray and get into the message because I'm pretty excited about it. About tonight, you know, you can't make promises because we we don't get to tell God what to do. You know, um, minor detail, he's God, we're not. But we're going to put ourselves in a position tonight to uh, to experience God. And I think the only qualifications for experiencing God is, um, are you thirsty? Because Scripture says that he, he satisfies those who are thirsty. Or, or are you hungry? And I'm not talking about, you know. I'm talking about you love God, you love people, you love the church and all that, but deep inside, just a little bit dissatisfied. And it has nothing to do with imperfect people. It has to do with you know that you may not have even used words like this, but deep inside you're going, you know there's more. You just know there's more. Um, We're going to put ourselves in a position to let God minister to us so we can experience more, whatever that is, okay? <clears throat> no promises, but God's promises are pretty good. You're hungry, He'll fill you. If you're thirsty, He'll satisfy you. So, come hungry. Um, isn't there a beer commercial? <laughs> Stay thirsty, my friends. <laughs> Jesus. I'm sorry. Come back, Holy Spirit. <laughs> Lord Jesus, we, we love you. We thank you for who you are, what you've done, what you're doing. Um, but, but Jesus, right now, I thank you that you sent the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We welcome you. For those of us who know you, it's amazing that you live in us. That's the Spirit of God living in us. That's, that's an amazing thing. And, and when two or more are gathered, there you are amongst us. So the very Spirit of God is not only in us, but amongst us. And just your presence is just an awesome thing to behold. But Holy Spirit, I ask that you do more than simply be with us. Would you do in us what only you can do? You're the one that leads us into all truth. You're the one that makes Jesus real to us, in us, and through us. You're the one who comforts you. You're the one um, who makes our Christian truths real in our lives. Holy Spirit, we ask that 
you would minister to us. Uh, do it for our sakes. Do it for the sakes of the people that you entrust to us. And do it for the sake of your name um, that we carry around wherever we go. I've shared this uh, maybe a couple years ago. But there's a question. How many of you like chocolate? Come on now. Listen. How many of you like chocolate? Okay. How many of you like dark chocolate? You know, well, there are some people who didn't like chocolate, but they like dark chocolate. All right. I, I, I really believe that dark chocolate, when you, when you die and you go to heaven, um, you'll find dark chocolate. No, it's true. Like if you die and then all of a sudden wake up and see angels and all, but then you see a Hershey bar, guess where you're not? Um, I want you to imagine this. Imagine you all like chocolate. And uh, you're walking around in Walmart or whatever, and you see these little posters. Reach Community Church is going to be sponsoring a chocolate conference. Whoa. And there it is, $25 for an all-day chocolate conference. But the thing is, you like chocolate. So you go, all right, we'll go. You're all excited. You walk in the door, slap down your money, and you get this really, really nice folder, you know, uh, this binder. And you're sitting down, there's a little little elevator music in the background, Christian elevator music, and you're sitting there, the light's down a little low, and you're going through this, and you're kinds of chocolate from around the world. You go, dang, I didn't know. I thought that was like dark chocolate and everything else. But no, there's this kind of chocolate. That blows your mind. And then the history of chocolate. You know, I didn't know chocolate had a history. I mean, someone had to invent chocolate and stuff like that. And you, this is great stuff. And then chocolatiers. I mean, people who are experts in chocolate. And some of them are going to be like the, the guest speakers. And you go, man, this is great. You're going through it. And there's notes. And right near the end, it's a whole bunch of pages. And they're chocolate songs. Songs about chocolate. You get all excited. So, lights go down low. Worship team comes up. And there's electricity in the air. You can just feel it. Wow, I've never been to a chocolate conference. Right? And so, you know, people are singing songs like, Chocolate, chocolate, there's something about you. You know, there's a whole bunch of things. People are crying. Going, yes, yes. Right? And uh, in between some of the songs, people get up and give testimony. It says, you know, I was raised on, on, on Hershey's, you know, little kisses and all that. And it, it was fine. But then one day I had dark chocolate. This changed my life. Everybody's going nuts. You know, isn't this great? And you go, and you're, you're just amazing. You're taking notes. You're taking it all in. You're learning new songs, <clears throat> having a great time. It's an all-day thing. You come home. You're tired. So you go right to bed. You wake up the next morning, and your neighbor goes, where were you yesterday? You know, Went to a chocolate conference. Chocolate conference? Tell me all about it. Now, the conference was so good. They taught it so well that you just bring out your notebook. You are so excited about what you found out about chocolate. And you're sharing it with your neighbor. And the neighbor's going, dang, that's exciting. Where do I get a copy of this book? Right? Could you imagine going through all that? that? That whole thing, the whole day, and not eating any chocolate. Can you imagine going through that, getting excited about the truths of chocolate, becoming sort of a minor expert in chocolate, 
but not eating any chocolate. Can you imagine being so excited about all the truths of chocolate and sharing it with your neighbor, and your neighbor gets excited about the truths of chocolate, but you don't have any chocolate to give them. You don't have a little something-something to nibble on. Can you imagine how crazy that would be? Right? Welcome to Christianity. Now, I'm not cutting on anybody here, but come on now, there's a lot of things that we know to be true. And we can convincingly tell other people what's true, but we haven't nibbled on chocolate. We, we, we haven't experienced what it is we say we know. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, you know you're forgiven. Okay. Have you ever really experienced the forgiveness of Jesus and what that really means? There's a whole bunch of things. Now, here's the thing. There's a lot of truth out there, and it's all true. The secret sauce, the thing that enables us to experience spiritual chocolate is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one that makes Christian truths real in our lives. Now, many people go, uh-oh, I knew I was coming to church. One of the, it's one of those churches. One of them, their Holy Spirit churches, they're going to be bringing out the snakes any minute now. Right? Dear God. And then we're going to go prayer walking in Walmart and yell in tongues. I knew we were going to do that. Oh, my God. They're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. Please, get a life. Just just relax. Relax. We're, we're going to do that next week. <laughs> but here's the thing about the Holy Spirit. It's, he's... He's part of the Bible, but a lot of us are ignorant. Not, not in a demeaning way. I'm not saying you're ignorant. But we really don't know. Conversations about the Holy Spirit are often awkward. Sometimes conversations about the Holy Spirit is like code for, uh, so, to speak in tongues. I mean, it's, it's just really weird how people understand and communicate about the Holy Spirit. And therefore... What most people like to do is go, well, I believe in the Holy Spirit in theory and at a distance, but I'd rather not have to engage that, okay? Well, here's the thing. Not engaging the Holy Spirit, well, ignorance is not bliss. I'm going to read to you in Acts chapter 19. While Paulus was at Corinth, Paul passed through the interior, came to Ephesus. There he found some believers and asked them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you became believers? No, they answered. We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Or we don't even know what you're talking about. Okay? And then Paul says, Into what then were you baptized? And they said, Well, the baptism of John. And, and, and then Paul explained John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. What's going on here? Paul's meeting some people that they had turned from religion. They had turned from the world. They had been baptized. They had been immersed. They had just been covered with John's baptism. They turned from the things that can never bring life. They turned from it. And then, then Paul says, so... What were you baptized in? What sort of really got your attention? What overwhelms you? What fills you? What surrounds you? And they go, John's baptism. 
Isn't that interesting? And then, so Paul, Paul says, John's baptism was baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. Uh, on hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. That means the Holy Spirit got in there and went, huh, we've turned from all this stuff, but we, we haven't turned to anyone or anything. And when Paul just explained, said, there's this guy, Jesus, the Holy Spirit got in there and they go, ha, and they got baptized into the name of Jesus. In other words, they done got saved. They were uh, regenerated. They were born again, because, not because Paul had an eloquent message, because the Holy Spirit made Jesus real. And then, and when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. Now, ignorance is not bliss. Imagine if you were one of these disciples. Uh, uh, you know what's wrong with the world, what's wrong with religion, but you really don't know Jesus. And then, then you get saved, and you go, thank you, Paul, I'm good. I'm good. See ya. Imagine what, would ha- what you would have missed. You would have missed experiencing, basically, God's equipping you to walk out the Christian life. You had a little nibble of some chocolate, but you had no ongoing resource to keep on eating chocolate. Could you imagine that? The Holy Spirit is important. You know, no duh, right? Um, and he's interwoven throughout the Bible. I wrote some things down. If you don't mind, I want to read some things about the Holy Spirit. I wrote them. So therefore, I get to read them. Anyway, the Holy Spirit is a major player throughout Scripture. If you just think about it, read your Bible and look for Holy Spirit. He's a major player throughout the Bible. He's mentioned first in Genesis. The Holy Spirit hovered over the chaos and emptiness of the earth and then executed the words of God to bring order in life. The Holy Spirit was crucial to Israel's journey from captivity in Egypt through the wilderness into the promised land. Pillar of fire, okay? The Holy Spirit was very involved in the lives and ministries of all the prophets. King David often uh, wrote often about the presence of God in the Psalms. Jesus' birth, his life, his ministry, and even his resurrection were deeply connected to the person and ministries of the Holy Spirit. Jesus himself taught his followers a great deal about the nature and importance of the Holy Spirit. Jesus taught about that. And after his ascension to heaven, Jesus poured out his Holy Spirit on those who gathered at Pentecost, and he promised them that the Holy Spirit would be available not just to them, but on to all who would call on the name of the Lord, like even us. The book of Acts speaks of significant kingdom-advancing outpourings of the Holy Spirit. And then Paul, he directed all believers, not just the Ephesians church, not just the charismatically inclined, but since it's in Scripture, it's to all believers. Paul taught, <clears throat> excuse me, Paul directed all believers, not just the believers in the early church, to not only know about the Holy Spirit, but to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's an amazing thing. The Holy Spirit is all over the Bible. And people go, well, just me and Jesus. And I'm like, 
thank God of the Father and Jesus and the Holy Spirit. I agree with him. I agree he's there. But, uh, you know, there's a, uh, I, I don't know what the words are, but it's, uh, yeah. Oh, and then, of course, the, the people who aren't going, uh, then you have the other people who went, glory to God, I know everything there is about the Holy Spirit. If you will just do Holy Spirit stuff just like me, then you'll be as loved by God as me. Those are religious people, okay? We're not after that. Ignorance is not bliss. Holy Spirit's all over. I mean, think of the stash of chocolate that is available to us if we just know a little more and experience a little more of the Holy Spirit. I'm just going to briefly try to motivate you, to motivate us. I, I, I have... I've eaten some chocolate, okay? And uh, I, can, I, I can never really have enough. Like, when does experiencing the reality of the Holy Spirit, when is enough enough? I don't even understand that question. I know there's always more. There's always more. So I'm going to just talk about some of the ministries of the Holy Spirit. Real, real straightforward, okay? First, the Holy Spirit gives life. Now, people go, I don't know about the Holy Spirit. Okay, whatever the Holy Spirit does, whatever he does, according to Jesus, whatever he does, he always brings life. He, he doesn't give you bad things. He doesn't smack you around. And he certainly doesn't make you a weird, spirit-filled Pharisee. He doesn't do that. He always brings life. Second thing. Uh, oh, yeah, and, uh, the Holy Spirit gives life. In John 6, 63, it says, The Holy Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. I can't stand that scripture. Honestly. You know, because he said, look, anything that comes from the leading of the Holy Spirit, that'll bring life. Anything that comes from my very best ideas that don't come from God, not important. I hate that because I have a lot of really good ideas. I'm a go-getter. There's a problem, let's go fix it. You know, I mean, guys, you know this. When your wife, you can tell she's having a problem, and she tells you about the problem, you go, well, here's your problem, and here's how you fix it. How's that working for you guys? It doesn't work. It doesn't work. You go, really? That must be really hard. Can you tell me more about it? And she tells you more. And you just wait for her to say, what, what do you think? Look, it took me years to figure this out. I actually go to my wife. She's talking, and I go, we have this little code. I go, do you want me to listen? I will listen with all my heart. Or do you want me to listen with an eye to fixing it? And she almost always goes, just listen. And I go, okay. So I just listen. I got all, just do this. Don't you realize he's... And I depend on the Holy Spirit. And then when my wife usually twice, says, what do you think? I don't trust the first time. (laughs) There's a reason why I'm still alive. Anyway, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, not your understanding, not your experience, 
Not, not whatever it is you bring to the table, the Holy Spirit is the one that brings life. His, so Holy Spirit's important. The Holy Spirit shows us how things really are. In other words, he leads us into all truth. Um, in John sixteen thirteen, when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. The way I put that is like he turns the light on and you see things the way they really are. For example, before you gave your life to Jesus, you were not looking for Jesus. Don't even pretend you were. But unless, unless the Holy Spirit was initiating and getting you to start seeking or whatever, you were never looking for Jesus. Nobody, not one, seeks God all by themselves. But then the Holy Spirit starts moving in there, and you go, man, I need a Savior, and I know there's more. My life is not just bad, but even if it was good, I know it's empty. What do I do? And the Holy Spirit's just sort of agitating you. And you know, uh, He's sitting there going, want some chocolate? Nope. <laughs> want some chocolate? Nope. I mean, just sort of getting to the point where you're ready to bite. And then you have the aha moment, because there's a whole bunch of pretenders out there that will save you. We all know the Republican Party will save you. No. The Democrat, no. There are a whole bunch of pretenders. Or, here, here's, here's the thing that most of us think will save us. I'll take a little bit of Jesus. I'll take a little bit of money. I will get a portfolio. And I'll get all this stuff, and that will save me. So anyway, one day, the Holy Spirit turns the light on and goes, No, Bubba. This is only for guys. Um, what's the Babette. What do you... You need a Savior. Yes, I know. Jesus is the only one. There's no way your brilliance will ever come to the conclusion that Jesus is the only way of salvation. You, you, you can't figure it out. You can't argue it. But the Holy Spirit goes, turns the light on. And you go, yes, it's Jesus. He, he, he guides us into all truth. We don't know we have broken hearts till the Holy Spirit shows us that we have broken hearts. We don't know that we got... False thinking. Have you ever sincerely believed things that were false? Right? About God. Because, you know, God, you know, he helps those who help themselves, right? No. Only the Holy Spirit can go, wait a second. No. He he helps the needy and the broken, which is everybody. The Holy Spirit, if you don't know if you have any idols, just sort of get filled with the Holy Spirit He'll show you your idols. You won't know what your idols are. You won't know what sin is. Well, honey, you know, things are so busy at work, I have to have a working lunch with my secretary. Not unless the Holy Spirit or your wife just jumps in your face and go, what are you doing? No, no, no. You, you don't do that. Don't do that. You won't know what sin is. People who just... Especially young people, yeah, they do pornography and all, yeah, we shouldn't do it and all. But I'm telling you, when the Holy Spirit goes, you go, ick, what am I doing? I'm defiling my hard drive. Oh my gosh. You won't know that until the Holy Spirit shows you. You don't, you won't know really what your relationship to the Word of God is unless the Holy Spirit shows you. Many of us love the Psalms because we go to the Psalms in our time of need and draw from them. And then when we're good, then we live our own life. Really. 
But when the Holy when, when we're eating a little bit more chocolate, we start going, wait a second, the Word of God is not just our time and need, it's how we're supposed to live. Like, how to structure our marriages, right? I'm not, I'm not going to go too deep in this, because I'm losing some of you already. Marriages? You don't have to submit to Him? Well, when He gets His act together, you know. You know what I'm saying? Or, look, lay, lay down my life for my wife. She goes to work on a broom for crying out loud. What am I going to do? You know, I'm not going to get into. But look, isn't it weird? How how do how do we actually relate to Scripture? You won't know how you relate to Scripture until the Holy Spirit goes. This is how you're living, and this is what I think. And you go. Oh! Only the Holy Spirit can show us that contrast. So the Holy Spirit, He. Have you ever read scripture and you're just reading the Bible and you're going, oh man, I'm not going to remember this. And then it's like a little lightning strike and a portion of scripture just jumps off the page. That's the Holy Spirit. In Christianese, they call it quickening of scripture. You're just reading it and all of a sudden, ah, that's for me. The Holy Spirit leads us into all truth. The Holy Spirit makes Jesus real to us. You know, the whole series, what, Jesus is greater? I'm telling you, you're not going to know that Jesus really is greater. I mean, greater than anything. You're not going to know it. It's not going to be real to you unless the Holy Spirit goes, you know all those other things that you think are competitors to God? Not even a fair fight. Oh, there's evil in the world. That's right, but Jesus is greater. Man, I have, a hor- I have a horrible past. That's right, but Jesus is greater. I'm telling you, your brain can't convince you that Jesus is greater. You've got to li- nibble a little bit on the Holy Spirit, and you'll go, Jesus is greater. The Holy Spirit reveals Jesus to us. Uh, in John 16, 14, it says, He'll bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you or revealing it to you. His have you ever just been in a worship service and you're singing and all, and all of a sudden you just have the sense of God's presence and you're crying and you don't even know why? Sometimes the Holy Spirit just shows up and the reality of Jesus is overwhelming. There, there so even grumpy Christians say, well, I'll go to church, honey. All right, if you want me to. All right, I'll go. And then you're like this. You don't even go like this because, you know, you don't believe in that, right? And all of a sudden you start... Your throat starts. And your wife looks at you and you go, hairball. Yeah. It's an amazing thing. Young young people. Anybody younger than me is a young person. Um, Young people, they come in, they go, I don't even know why I feel like this, but it feels really good. The Holy Spirit takes from who Jesus is, what he's done, his reality, what he is doing, he takes that and he makes it real to us. We all know Jesus loves us. But have you ever just experienced a, just a little taste of the love of God? I'll, one time I, I I had like a really horrible month one day. And like everything just came down on a Saturday. And it was just horrible. This is many years ago. And I'm just, I'm dying a thousand deaths. My pastor's helping me out. He's just a good guy. But I was just beat up. And so in church the next day, I'm standing in church, and everybody's going, hallelujah, hallelujah. And I, 
hypocrites. You can't be all that happy. I mean, uh, right? And I'm just... And so I decided to sit down because I am not into this. And in my mind's eye, I see off in the distance, it looked like a flower. And it started coming closer and closer and closer. And as it got closer, it just started getting a little brighter. And it looked like a rose, but it's all closed up, you know. And then as it got right about here, it went like this. And it was beautiful. And I could smell it. I mean, welcome to my world. Right? No, I'm just going. It was an experience. And all of a sudden the light went on. Jesus in the middle of my hell was giving me a rose. He absolutely, I just came apart. I, I didn't just know about the love of God. I experienced it right in the middle of that. The Holy Spirit makes Jesus real to us. The Holy Spirit also makes Jesus real in us. We call this sanctification or becoming literally more Christ-like, right? And you know, some people think to be, you know, if you're, to be Christ-like, you have, you have to act like you're on methadone, you know? <sighs> Read the Bible. Jesus who walked the earth. Man, I'd, even if he wasn't the Son of God, he was so cool, I'd follow him. I mean, he had grit. He wasn't afraid. He had a good sense of humor. Uh, yeah, he raised the dead. That's pretty cool. But the Holy Spirit makes Jesus real in us. A couple scriptures in Ephesians uh, chapter 3. To him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask for or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory. And in Philippians chapter 2, it is God, and this this is the Spirit of God, it is God who works in you to will and to work according to his good purpose. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Have you ever just surrendered to Jesus in the middle of just horrible things, and all of a sudden you, you start experiencing the peace in the middle of your storm? That's the Spirit of God. Making Jesus real in us. Maybe not changing our circumstances, but make real. Or you're getting beat up by the enemy. What do you think you're doing? Don't you know that you're a loser? Loser. All, you know, none of your friends going to like you and all that. And you're just getting beat up, beat up. You're just trying to hold on, right? And yeah, Jesus, I know you love me, but if you really love me, I wouldn't be all this messed up. And then in the middle of that, he goes, I know you. And I love you, and I got a better plan than anything you can come up with. That'll change your life. That'll change your day. And God does something on the inside of us where we're more like Him. It's just an amazing thing. The Holy Spirit will also make Jesus real through us. In other words, He equips us. Now, there was a time early on before I really understood what the Spirit-filled life really meant. I wanted to follow Jesus, and I did my best to obey Jesus, to do what's right, to do the Sermon on the Mount and all that. And, man, I was horrible at it. I was horrible at it. Why? Because I was trying to do Christianity in my own strength. 
I mean, I'm a go-getter. Let's just, let's do it. And, you know, the Holy Spirit doesn't make me lazy, but the Holy Spirit actually motivates me. When, when you're actually leaning into the Holy Spirit, living the Christian life, it seems more reasonable. You can't be a Christ follower without nibbling on chocolate. You can't do it. Only the... Here. Here's what religion is. God sets these standards. He's never going to change the standards. He will never change truth or His standards. He'll never change it. But religion says, here's where I am. I've got to get myself fixed so I can come to God. And, you know, you try to do that, you'll never be good enough. You will never be good enough. Christianity is, here's the same standards. You take your nasty self, your broken self, even your best, you bring that to him as is, and then God starts changing you. That's the gospel. That's, that's a work of the Holy Spirit. When you got saved, you didn't go, Jesus, I need a Savior. But look, I got some things to bring to the table. You had nothing to bring to the table. I went to church, and now I'm just having Jesus too. All that stuff didn't count for anything. You just brought your broken, sinful, naked self, brought it into Jesus, and said, okay, I'll save you. I'll forgive you, as is. You can't live the Christian life without drawing on the Holy Spirit. You can't. The Holy Spirit makes Jesus real um, through us. He equips us. Throughout Acts, believers are filled and refilled with the Holy Spirit. Why? Some people say, well, we're all leaky vessels. No. That's not what... God wants us to be continually eating chocolate, be continually experiencing more of the Holy Spirit... So we can do our job to fulfill the reason why we're here on planet earth. Look in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and then you'll be my witnesses. Now a witness in the, you know, in the Bible, a witness is not someone who goes around witnessing. It's a legal term. When you're a witness, you're called upon to either demonstrate or express the truth of something. That's your only job as a witness. Jesus is telling his disciples, you got a lot of good things in your heart, but you need the Holy Spirit to come upon you so you can actually be a demonstration or expression of who I really am. You can't do it. You, you, you just can't do it. And Jesus, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, then you'll have the power to do the things that I'm leading you to do. Isn't that an amazing thing? I don't know if this motivates you, but maybe this. This would motivate you. Jesus has this attitude. He's utterly convinced that he's God. Just saying. And God commissioned a number of people to write scripture, to, to take God's words and make them available to us. And one of them is Paul. And this guy Paul, in Ephesians 5.18, he commands all believers 
to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, at this point, people are going, I knew it, I knew it. He said he wasn't going to bring out the snakes, but here they come. It's going to be, no, 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 no. We are commanded to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We're commanded by Jesus. I want you all to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, many people go, well, I don't know about that. Do I, does that mean I have to quack in Walmart? Do I have to fall down? Do I have to do... Some of you don't know what I'm talking about. But the older ones go, do I have to do the Holy Spirit? You know? What? Mm-mm-mm. We are commanded by God to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The reason we go like this is because we have wrong information or we're just afraid. To be filled with the Holy Spirit, it's not to be limited by a form. It doesn't, you don't have to behave in a certain way. You don't even have to have certain experiences. Back, back in the day, long time ago, well, the only way you know someone's filled with the Holy Spirit is if they pray in tongues and fall down and have great dreams and visions. You know, stuff like that happens. But after a while, people sit there going, well, that never happened to me, or I ain't never going to let that happen to me. And so they think that they're second-class citizens because they're not filled with the Holy Spirit the way everybody else thinks they should. But Paul's sitting there. He's not saying you have to behave in a certain way or even have certain experiences. To be filled with the Holy Spirit is to choose. To choose to be continually and increasingly surrendered to the person and ministries of the Holy Spirit. To be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's an ongoing thing that you get to choose. This is, this is not hocus pocus stuff. This is how to live the Christian life. He said, be filled, be continually surrendered to the Holy Spirit. There's so many ways you can do this. You can get up in the morning before you take the crusties out of your eyes, go, Lord, fill me with the Holy Spirit. You're just surrendering your life to the Holy Spirit. It's amazing what He does. He does, you don't even have to know what he'll do, but when he does it, you go, oh, that was the Holy Spirit. There was this young guy in our, in our interns. We had this, I have a 10-week course on this, and their only homework assignment other than reading the Bible is ask God to fill him with the Holy Spirit first thing in the morning and throughout the day. And this one guy, you know what he did? And then they share. He goes, well, you know, I like to drive fast, and I was going like 63 and a 55, which, as we all know, is okay, <laughs> right? And he goes, I'm just driving, and I asked God to fill me with the Holy Spirit. I, he just, just spoke to my heart, and he went, 55. 55. Oh, he goes, it was horrible. I know God's telling me to go 55, but I'm trying to tell him 63 is okay. I mean, it was just... But the Holy Spirit knows how to teach each and every one of us if we're open to what he has to say. And to be filled with the Holy Spirit is just choosing. You could do that with some of your friends. You go, Lord, thank you for all my friends. Lord, fill me with the Holy Spirit. Who are my real friends? Oh, my gosh. They're friends only because they want something out of me. Well, bless their heart. I know what that means in the South. Bless their heart. Oh, Lord, I can't just kick them in the curd, but would you give me new friends? It's a, the Holy Spirit 
knows how to talk to us. To be filled with the Holy Spirit is simply a posture toward the Holy Spirit. It's a deliberate choice to let God teach us to live a certain lifestyle. You can ask to be filled with the Holy Spirit anytime you want. If you're just about to get in an argument with your wife, do not out loud say, Oh Lord, fill me with the Holy Spirit. Don't do that. Bad idea. Then we have to have a healing service. Or you're, you're, you're about to get into an argument again with that person who irritates you. Just in your heart go, Holy Spirit, fill me with the Holy Spirit. It's amazing that the Holy Spirit has the power to keep your mouth shut or to speak words of grace. It's an amazing thing. Or you're overwhelmed with whatever. See, I can speak Californian. Whatever. And you go, Lord, fill me with the Holy Spirit. And he gives you a peace, and it's amazing. He might give you a strategy or some wisdom. It's just amazing. Can you imagine living like that? When we're continually and increasingly surrendered to the Holy Spirit, not only will we know that Jesus is greater, we'll actually start experiencing the greatness of Jesus in our lives. Whoa, he really is greater. Now tonight, I'm just letting you know, we're going to be ministering by the Holy Spirit tonight. There'll be no forcing. There'll be no, yes, you know, we're not doing any of that stuff. But God wants us, I mean, it's a little late, we're in February, but to actually give us a kickstart, a kickstart, so that God can teach us how to live a spirit-filled life. Another way of putting it is he's just going to start giving us some chocolate that we can eat so we can experience what it is we say we know. Y'all up for that? Worship persons. Um, Look, there's no altar call. Um, But if... If in your heart you're going, I think I'm a little thirsty. I'm a little hungry. Um, I've run out of chocolate. If that's you, just please stand and we'll just pray. We're going to ask God to fill us right where we are. Please stand and I'll pray for you. It doesn't matter how old you are or how young. Now, I've seen people who are sitting there going, wait a second, I'm not even saved. It's all right. Ask God to fill you with the Holy Spirit. He'll know what to do. There are some people, I could pick them out prophetically, but I won't. Some people are just right now, they're just so afraid. Utterly afraid. They're afraid of being afraid. Stand and say, God, would you fill me with the Holy Spirit? There's some people going, I'm too young to get all involved in this. No. You're never too young to eat really good chocolate. Never, never. Some of you, right? I sit there. You know, I've had so many weird relationships. I've, you know, I, I've, instead of Super Bowl rings, I just got a whole bunch of X's. <laughs> you know, um, and it just wears you out. Why don't you ask God to fill you in the middle of that that wasteland where your heart's been ripped apart? Lord, I thank you 
for every person here. There are people who are sitting down, but their hearts are screaming, Oh Lord, I would love to eat some chocolate. I would love to experience more of what this guy is talking about. Lord, as much as we know, we just say to you, we look to you. Lord, more chocolate, please. Lord, would you fill us with your spirit? Would you bring life to us where there's not so much life? There's there's some people right now, it's like they're wishing they had a daddy. And that's, that's the thing. Ask God to fill you with the Holy Spirit and He'll more than make up for what what or who you don't have. He'll make the pain bearable. Holy Spirit, we just choose to surrender to you. Some of us have been sad for so long we forgot what it is to be refreshed. Lord, would you pour out your Spirit on those who have good roots but their land is dry. Lord, would you just sort of stir us to believe that all we have to do is come to you and ask to be filled and you will start leading us in paths that we didn't even think were possible. People, There are people who are old enough to sit there going, well, there's not much left on my bucket list. I think I'll just hold on until Jesus takes me. Lord, would you fill them? Because when your Holy Spirit comes, the old guys start dreaming dreams. Not scary dreams, but vision about what the next thing is. People whose marriages, you're going, you know, if it weren't for Jesus, someone would be dead in this house. Holy Spirit, I ask that you'd fill those couples with your Spirit and there'd be hope in the middle of it. Lord, as we choose to be filled with the Holy Spirit, I know that we will know more than ever that Jesus really is the greater one. He's the greater one amongst us. He's the greater one in us. Lord, may this be a a beginning of like a, a slow spreading revival where little by little we're more and more filled with your Spirit. Thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, be sure to visit us online at reachcommunitychurch.com.